Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's message as a continuation of the messages that we've entitled Higher Goals. And we're drawing these from Philippians chapter 3 and what Paul identifies for us as the higher goals, the highest things that we should be aiming for. Welcome to you and thank you for tuning in today. I'm glad you came and joined us. God bless you today and welcome. Today we want to start out again by reading in Philippians chapter 3 first. I want to read verses 7 through 11 of Philippians chapter 3. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. We'll stop there in the reading, and I want to just continue on. And to do that, I want to just give us a brief review of the couple of things that we've talked about thus far. And then we're going to take it one little step further today and go into one section of verse 10. So in Philippians chapter 3, Paul is talking about here the thing that he wants the most, the thing that he considers the most important in all of life, the only goal that really matters in all of life, the superior, most excellent thing. And that is to know Jesus, to know Jesus in a real personal relationship with him, to have that thriving relationship, to know him intimately, personally, and experientially, to gain Christ. Paul says everything else in life, no matter how many accolades you can amass, no matter how many awards you might win, no matter how much you might climb the corporate ladder, no matter how popular you are, no matter how pretty you are, everything else and any and all other pursuits is rubbish if you don't know Jesus. He is the most excellent thing. And so Paul is longing to acquire and grow in a vibrant thriving, real relationship with Jesus. That is his highest goal. And in so doing, he talks to us about portions of what that means. He wants to gain Christ and he wants to be found in him, not having his own righteousness because his righteousness, according to Isaiah, is as filthy rags as is ours also. None of us needs to be found in Jesus standing in our own righteousness. Paul says, no, I want to be found in him with the righteousness that is granted to me 
by God in Christ Jesus through being justified by faith alone and restored to favor with God. And we've talked about those in the first two sessions. So today I want to continue on and we're going to pick up the first few words of verse 10 and discuss those today. Paul says that I may know him. So I want us to go no farther than this today, and I want us to talk about a few things on this. Paul is saying that I may know him. Now, may signifies for us and indicates personal choice. Every person, every single Christian can choose how much or how little of Jesus we want. You get to choose that. You can go after God with, with gusto. You can go after him with everything that's within you. And you can grow in him by leaps and bounds and have as much of Jesus as you want. The sad thing is, you can neglect it. You can not choose to pursue him and have very little of him in your life. But you'll be suffering for that if you choose that choice. There'll be so much that you're missing. Paul desired it all. He desired to know him and to know him more and to know him more and to know him more. That's what this word knowing is talking about. It's gnesco, and it means to perceive or to acknowledge, to come to understand, to know it skillfully. In other words, it's getting to know something more and more and more. When you start out learning any skill, maybe it's building cabinets, maybe it's driving a car, maybe it's teaching a, a lesson or, or learning some skill, some job, a brand new job, learning how to type, whatever it is, all of those things, you have to start somewhere. But the only way that you can become skillful in them is to continue to study, to continue to grow in your understanding of that to continue to apply your knowledge, to continue to develop that skill. And so Paul is saying, I want to know, I want to know Jesus. I want to get to know him more and more and more and more. I want to grow in my knowledge of Jesus. Now the apostle with Paul in that day, one of the primary ones was Peter. And Peter also writes about this. In Peter's second epistle, 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter writes these words in verse 17 through 18. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, what he's talking about there is the fact that Jesus is coming again a second time and the earth is going to be dissolved. All those things that he's written earlier in 2 Peter chapter 3, he talks about living a godly life in light of those things. And he goes on down here in verse 17 and he says this, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But, in other words, rather than that, do this, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So Peter concurs with Paul here and says that we should be growing 
increasing and enlarging our knowledge, becoming greater and growing. It really is speaking of inward Christian growth, growing in our character, growing in our knowledge of Jesus, growing in our understanding of him, growing in the application of walking with him, a life of godliness, a life of purity, a life of obedience. Notice also that in 2 Peter here, in these verses, Peter ties the importance of growing in both the grace, the beautiful, wonderful grace that has saved us, the unmerited favor that God grants to us. But he says, don't just grow in grace. There's too much hyper grace today going on. Peter's just told us, in light of all this that's coming with, with the Lord's return and the fact that, that the earth is going to be changed and all of that, he said, how then should we live? In holiness and godly character and conduct is what he's talking about there. So Peter is coupling the importance of growing, increasing, gaining in both grace and knowledge of Jesus. And he ties this in verse 18 directly to verse 17, where he gives us a warning. And he says, beware. In light of Jesus coming soon, beware. Don't fall for lies and error. Don't let yourself be led away or astray. Don't let yourself be deceived or carried off somewhere else with delusion, with fraud. Don't be driven or drop off from your own steadfastness. He says, each Christian is responsible for themselves. He's making this point. This is an individual walk of grace, walk into the knowledge of Jesus. It's an individual choice to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Don't be driven away from your own steadfastness by allowing yourself to not be standing on guard, not be aware and fall for lies, fall for deception, fall for fraud. Every single Christian is responsible for themselves. Every single Christian has these same instructions. Every single Christian has the same opportunity and every single Christian has the same potential to grow and to make it and to have all we want of Jesus. I don't know about you, beloved friend, but I know that my hunger for more of Jesus is growing. My hunger to spend more time with him, to praise and worship him, to offer him my life in worship, to offer him praise and honor and thanksgiving that he is due. I want more of Jesus. And every Christian has the same potential to grow and to have all that we want of Jesus. The way we do that is through two primary things, although there are others as well. But there's two primary ones I would bring out to you. First of all is in real relationship where you spend time in prayer with the word of God in the presence of the Lord. You know, when you 
meet someone, let's say that you want to marry or, you know, you think you might want to marry that person or you meet some new friend, the way you get to know them is to spend time with them. You meet together, whether it's for lunch or for dinner, whether it's talking together, whether it's going to the gym together, whether it's walking together, whatever it is, you got to spend time with them in order to get to know them. The way that we do that with Jesus is in prayer. We do that with Jesus when we, when we come alongside and we, we go in a place. Jesus called it in the Gospels a prayer. Some people call it a prayer room, prayer closet, whatever. Go into your room, into your chamber, into your closet, whatever it is, and shut the door. In other words, shut out distractions and get along with Jesus. And that's how you'll get to know him in prayer, talking back and forth, not just coming to him like some Santa Claus with your list of, I want this, I want that, I need you to do this, that, and the other. He's not some maid. He's not some Santa Claus. He's the holy God. He's the one whose blood has saved us. And we need to show him that honor and that appreciation and that thanksgiving for what he has done for us and spend time in prayer with him to be able to get to know him more and to grow in our relationship with him. The second major thing that we do to accomplish that is getting into the word of God because everything that we need to know about God, about our Lord Jesus Christ, about his character, about what he wants from us, about what, how we should be responding, all of it is found in the Word of the Living God. That is the completion of the revelation of what we need in this life. And it tells us everything we need to be able to know the real thing, the real person, the real Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way to spot a counterfeit, the only way to spot these deceptive things that Peter has been talking about, this fraud, this delusion that can pull you away and cause you to fall off from your own steadfastness. The only way to spot that kind of counterfeit is when you know the real thing. FBI agents, bank tellers, etc. The understanding is, and I have a friend that used to work at a bank, and she knows this by personal experience. They do not give them counterfeit bills. They give them real bills. And they have to spend time handling real bills over and over and over because they know the real thing by doing that, by associating with it day in and day out, day in and day out until they know how to tell the real. And when they know the real well enough, they'll be able to spot the counterfeit immediately when it's inserted into the stack of bills. And the only way for us to be able to spot any counterfeit and beloved friend, we're living in days of great and massive deception on every level and in many, many ways. And sadly, it has infiltrated much of the church. And we need to be careful and cautious, weigh everything against scripture. Judge the fruit, judge prophecies and other words and so forth by scripture. You got to know the real to be able to spot the counterfeit. And I want us to look now at a passage in John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. It says this, 
Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Do you see, Jesus said that the way to know the truth is tied to you abiding in his word. It's all tied together. You cannot spot the counterfeit unless you know the real. You've got to be continuing, remaining, abiding, not leaving, staying put in his word, growing in it, hungering for it, reading it, studying it, thinking about it. Be in the word of God because that will tell you the real truth. And then you'll be able to spot the counterfeit and the lies. This is talking about taking root. Take root in God's word. I'm going to reference this passage for you in Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 through 9, and again in verse 18 through 23. Jesus is giving the parable of the sower, and then in verse 18 through 23, he gives the definition, the understanding and explanation of that parable. And that parable is all about receiving the seed of God's word and what kind of soil it's received into. The goal and the desire is that you receive the seed of God's word into good soil and that you let it take deep root and grow. The root system is what the new plant that's just germinated needs the most. That plant first has to focus on the roots. It has to focus on getting rooted and grounded in the good soil. And from that strong, sturdy, solid root system, then it can grow from there and grow into a healthy, good tree. That's the goal that the Lord has for all of us. I want to begin to draw us to a close with this scripture in 1 Peter. I want to read beginning in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, and then I'm going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 22, says this, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Chapter 2. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. In this section, he just talked about seeds taking root 
and growing. Then he comes over here and he talks about us as if we were newborn babies. Those who are brand new in the scriptures, those who are brand new to the Lord Jesus Christ, brand new believers in Jesus Christ, those who've just gotten saved. He tells you here as newborn babes, and maybe you've walked with the Lord quite a while, but you're now experiencing a real relationship like you haven't had. Maybe you had a taste of religion. I don't know. But God wants you to develop a real relationship and a hunger and thirst for him because there's so much more he has for us. And so Peter is telling us here, as newborn babes, desire the sincere or the pure milk of the word. That's the pure word of God. Soak in it. Pour into it so that you may grow. And in doing that, you will grow healthily and you will go grow solidly. This is how you get as much of Jesus as you want. To know him through his word and in prayer on a daily basis and on an ongoing basis, continuing in it. Beloved friend, grow in him. Know him. Paul's higher goals are expressed here as he seeks to gain Christ and he gives himself over to the most excellent superior thing of knowing Jesus, the highest goal of all. Praise be to God. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and Lord willing, you can join us for future episodes brought to you through Covenant Truth Ministries. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.